Middle East on the brink, North Korea on the brink, Iran increasing its aggression, elections in Taiwan. Look, there's a lot of global instability as we ourselves plunge into primary season. How have you sheltered your savings and investments from potential major setbacks to the economy? You think it can happen here? It can happen here, but it's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold. And Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. As opposed to many other investments, gold Gold thrives in times of uncertainty. It is an important part of diversifying your savings. Now listen, here's how Birch Gold can help make it a part of yours. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold. And it doesn't cost you a penny out of pocket. You want to learn more? Just text SAVAGE to 989-898 for a free info kit. S-A-V-A-G-E, text it to 989-898 and you get a free info kit. It costs you nothing. Just text SAVAGE to 989 with an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of happy customers, I encourage you to arm yourself with the knowledge of diversification through precious metals. Protect yourself. Text SAVAGE to 989-898 and claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold. Do it now. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Thank you very much. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. I have a dream that one day Sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will they be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood? I have a dream. My four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin but by the content of their character. I have a dream. One of the greatest speeches in American political history. I heard MLK Jr. speak in front of the UN. I was stirred by it. I was a young man, young teacher. And I have to ask a question of you, my loyal audience today, seeing what's going on in this country. Do you agree with me that the civil rights movement has been hijacked by revolutionary communists? Has the civil rights movement been hijacked by revolutionary communists? Or to put it another way, do you think Martin Luther King Jr., would have approved of looting, burning, and saying all police should be eliminated. After the trillions of dollars that have been spent, after years of the illegal, immoral, affirmative action plans that have been put in place in hiring and scholarships and advancements, we still have riots and looting. 
We still have systemic hatred towards white people. What's next? Was MLK Jr.'s I Have a Dream speech a reality? Or was it always wishful thinking? Has his dream been hijacked by the revolutionary left? Well, I'll let you figure that one out. And remember, this is talk radio. It's not I talk, you listen. It's I talk, you talk. You talk, I talk. Phone number is 855-407-282. Who is fomenting this revolution in America right now? The answer is many, many, many people, including Oprah Winfrey. Now, here's a billionaire woman, Oprah Winfrey, who had the nerve to put out a show about systemic racism. Now, of course, you have to you gasp when you see a thing like this. Systemic racism, the new buzzword of the uh, radicals. She has to make believe she's part of the radical movement. So my tweet was quite simple. Billionaire Oprah screams about, quote, systemic racism. I guess she would be a trillionaire in a fair society. That's known as sarcasm. How much more can she want? She's a talented woman. She's a handsome woman. She got where she is through talent, through drive, through brains. What more could she have done in any other society on earth? Again, I invite you to call the show. You know, in the early days of talk radio, when I was a local host, which was 25 years ago, you know that the lines, the call-in lines would be lit before I ever went on the air. That was the, that was the heyday of talk radio. Before the show started, people were, were salivating to call my program. I know things have changed. There was no internet then. You know, there was no internet then, hardly any internet. 1994 it was just kind of coming out, sort of coming out in a big way. We used fax machines. <laughs> we used a thing called wires to get the news. Wires, AP, UPI, wires. We'd go to like a ticker tape to get stories. Jim, were you around in radio then? Wires. Remember wires? Those were the days of radio. They were great days, by the way, exciting days. I would leave the studio sweating. I would sweat from head to toe after a show on my program director. I'd say, Jack, I was sweating from head to toe. You know what he said? That's the sign of a good show. You don't call it in, Michael. Well, I'm still not calling it in, audience. Not at all. So today I have to ask you the question again that I asked at the beginning and the outset of the show. Has the civil rights movement in your mind been hijacked by revolutionary communists? After trillions of dollars, after 40 years of affirmative action, we still have riots, looting, systemic hatred towards whites. I'd like to know what's next. Tell me what happens next. Where do we look for the future? South Africa? I listened to MLK Jr.'s speech again just now as I played it for you. I was stirred as I was as a young man. Why do we not hear his words anymore? Why have those words been drowned out by the hatred of the Black Lives Matter movement? Why has MLK Jr.'s great speech... Why is it not played by the vermin in the, in the print media? The rats at the... You know, I, I read them all. And they're all fomenting revolutionary uh, rhetoric. Uh, revolutionary uh, actions, rather, through their rhetoric and through their publications. But this is nothing new. I haven't... It's like I haven't seen this before. Of course I have. Years ago, in the 60s, there was an actor called Marlon Brando. That's a joke. And he, he appeared in a movie called Burn. Raise your hand if you know the movie, if you're a, a film lover, as I am. The movie Burn was a revolutionary movie about a white plantation owner from France or who knows where, England. He goes to Haiti 
to run a plantation and he takes the side of the slaves and he helps set the plantations on fire. Who does that character remind you of today? Now, of course, we have no slaves, as you well know, except we, the taxpaying slaves of America. The true slaves of America today are the people like us who work for a living and pay exorbitant amounts of taxes. It's a form of slavery. Of course, it's not the same as bondage. We understand that. But that kind of bondage slavery existed in almost every society going back to ancient times. I really do not know a tribe or a culture that did not engage in slavery. I do not know of one. I know many of you think Scandinavia was born yesterday and born out of whole cloth as this liberal region of the globe where everyone is peaceful and loving. But I want to remind you that Scandinavia was once ruled by the pirates called the Vikings who pillaged, who murdered, and enslaved people and then sold the slaves or used the slaves. That's, that's the foundation of Denmark, Holland, Sweden, Norway, Finland. They are the descendants of the Vikings. Now, of course, the Vikings are long gone. These countries have been taken over by radical feminist leftists. I don't know how that happened. I really don't understand the devolution of a Viking nation into a radical feminist nation. I don't know how that happened. Where, where have the men gone? There must be some Vikings left in Scandinavia. Where the hell are they? But we're not going to talk about Scandinavia. We're talking about America right now and the hijacking of the civil rights movement. And, of course, you can call in if you'd like. 855-407-282. But let's look at the words systemic police racism. I reference an article, The Myth of Systemic Police Racism, in the Wall Street Journal by Heather McDonald. And I will read some of the pieces from the article. And she references Barack Obama. Again, he's getting in on the lie. You know, Obama's... We could talk about him as the devil if you want. I wrote books about this man. I saw through him from the day he arrived on the scene. The, the most telling thing about Obama was that, as you well know, he was of mixed heritage, mixed race heritage, if you want to put it that way. I know it's an uncomfortable statement, but it's a fact. And that, that's, that's what it is. That's what life is. And he said he never paid much attention to race and his race until he went to Columbia University. And he said he got a lot of notice when he started espousing the black power movement's rhetoric at Columbia. Then he said kids paid attention to him. They really looked up to him. So he got deeper into it more and more and more. He started getting more revolutionary. But he said he never paid attention to it. Then they have a white mother and, a, and an African father, African father, white mother. So why did he ha does he have to then take that and turn it into racism? Well, he did. And he got into the presidency using it because America is the least racist nation on the planet. I want to remind you that Obama, our first, quote, African-American president, was elected because white people voted for him. In other words, never forget that white people are still the majority in America and they're the majority of the voting population, white people. And enough white people voted for this African-American man to become president because they wanted to give him a chance. And he was very convincing. What a salesman he was. I remember his rhetoric. I really believed in him when he gave those speeches in the beginning. They sounded so good how he was going to do for America. Well, like all liberals, he came to do good and he did very well indeed. He came in a rather middle class man, him and Michelle Obama. 
and they left super wealthy. Wow, did they cash in. They came to do good, and they did very well indeed. Incidentally, he bought three big houses before he left office. No one's ever looked into where that money came from. Maybe Mr. GS can answer that question, or whoever, whatever. But uh, so you have an African-American president, and a claim by Obama made after the ambush murders of five Dallas officers of, 20, of July of 2016, right? During the memorial service for these five Dallas officers, Obama said African-American parents were right to fear that their children may be killed by police officers whenever they go outside. This is the day of the funeral of uh, five Dallas officers. Minnesota Governor Tim Waltz, one of the greatest embarrassments in the history of Minnesota, denounced the stain of fundamental institutional racism on law enforcement. Again, this is their new code word. Code, code phrase is institutional racism. They all use it. Institutional racism. Systemic racism. We're experiencing systemic racism. There's big words, so it sounds like they're smart. Systemic racism. They, always like, they repeat it like children. Systemic racism. But does it exist? Well, a solid body of evidence, according to Ms. McDonald, finds no structural bias in the criminal justice system with regard to arrests, prosecution, or sentencing. She has the data. And she says crime and suspect behavior, not race, determine most police actions. And she gives the data. In 2019, police officers shot 1,004 people, most of whom were armed or otherwise dangerous. African-Americans were about a quarter of those killed by cops last year, 235. A ratio has remained about the same since 2015. She says that share of black victims is less than what the black crime rate would predict since police shootings are a function of how often officers encounter armed and violent suspects. And what's her evidence? In 2018, the latest year for which such data have been published, African-Americans made up 53% of known homicide offenders in the U.S. and commit about 60% of robberies, though they are 13% of the population. I realize it's an embarrassing fact, but facts don't lie. She goes on. The police fatally shot nine unarmed blacks and 19 unarmed whites in 2019, according to the Wash Post database. In 2015, the Post defines unarmed broadly to include such cases as a suspect in Newark, New Jersey, who had a loaded handgun in his car during a police chase. In 2018, she writes, there were 7,407 black homicide victims. Assuming a comparable number of victims last year, those nine unarmed black victims of police shootings represent 0.1% of all African-Americans killed in 2019. By contrast, a police officer is 18 and a half times more likely to be killed by a black male than an unarmed black male is to be killed by a police officer. Let me pause on that piece of data, Oprah, because I think you should put it on your show as a form of apology to the millions of people who uh, believe everything that you say. So, Oprah Winfrey, why don't you put this up in big letters on your show? A police officer, Oprah, is 18 and a half times more likely to be killed by a black male than an unarmed black male is to be killed by a police officer. And why do you go on David Geffen's yacht, Oprah? Incidentally, who, as last I checked, David Geffen was a billionaire white man. Ask David Geffen if he thinks it's a good idea for you to keep screaming systemic racism and what David thinks is liable to happen if you keep up the uh, fanning the flames and throwing lighter fluid on the charcoal. Okay, right, sure.
She won't even get this message. New poll is out. Sort on Newsmax. 80% want to keep and increase police funding. What did I say when they were screaming defund police? I say, no, no, I want more police and I want higher salaries for them. And I just want better training. I want more police, more police, more police. That's who I want. 855-4728-2. The question today is, shall I say, do you you agree with me that the civil rights movement has been hijacked by revolutionary communists? I'll be right back. The Savage Nation. It's savage on demand. Look, these days it's not always easy to get together with the people we love, but a great way to feel close to those who can't be with us is through a painting from Paint Your Life. This is a great, great thing. You get a professional hand-painted portrait created from any photo that you send in at a truly affordable price. Then you choose from a team of world-class artists, and you work with them on the web until every detail of that picture that you have ordered is perfect. Their user-friendly platform lets you order a custom-made hand-painted portrait in less than five minutes. Quick and easy. Get a hand-painted portrait in about three weeks. You send any picture of yourself, your children, family, a special place, cherished pet, or combine all the photos together. This makes the perfect birthday, anniversary, or Father's Day gift. It really is great. I got one of Teddy. It's meaningful, personal, and can be cherished forever. It's a gift that will make the recipient feel close to you even when you can't be there. Paint Your Life portraits are a gift that will keep on giving. At paintyourlife.com, there's no risk. If you don't love the final painting, you're going to get your money back, fully refunded, guaranteed. And right now, as a limited time offer, get 20% off your painting. You heard me right. 20% off and free shipping. To get this special offer going, text the word SAVAGE to 64000. That's S-A-V-A-G-E to 64000. Text SAVAGE to 64000. I want you to paint your life to celebrate the moments that matter most. Text SAVAGE to 64000. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. Furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters and this podcast. So I played the Martin Luther King Jr. speech, the I Have a Dream speech, one of the greatest speeches of Amer- in American history. And I've heard Mr. King's speech. I heard him speak in front of the UN. I was stirred as a young man. And I'm asking, has the civil rights movement been hijacked by revolutionary communists? Would MLK Jr. himself support what he saw going on and sees going on? Would he have been one of those in Congress to put on that absurd theater of the absurd that Pelosi and her stunters, her stunteteers did the other day with the kente cloth? over their shoulders. That was one of the most absurd things I've ever seen in my life. And the poor old woman couldn't get up on her own. Did you see her assistant come running out to lift her off the floor? It was really pathetic. And Schumer wearing the Kenty cloth, I mean, does it get any more absurd than Charles Schumer wearing Kenty cloth? Yes, a billionaire Oprah screaming about systemic racism. That gets even more absurd. Sam in California, a minute or less, what's on your mind? Fire away, you're on the Savage Nation. 
Yes, Michael, you are absolutely right, because I'm an Asian, and most of these immigrants came to America in the last 40, 60 years, from Afghanistan, Vietnam, uh, and all over the world. No English, nothing, no money, and their grandkids are now engineers, doctors, lawyers. Why is the politicians and media not telling the black community, say, what the heck you are doing for 200 years? I, mean, I, don't, ha- I don't have an answer to that. That's why for many years I have extolled the work ethic of the Indian people on this program. I used to say, 15 years ago I was saying, how do you explain the fact that East Indians come to America and within one generation their children are winning spelling bees in English? How is that possible? How is that possible? How do you explain that? It's cultural, no doubt. There's something in the culture of the immigrant that motivates them to succeed. Michael Savage, a host like no other. Okay, you know I'm a car guy. You know I've had a Hellcat. And with the ever-increasing numbers of cars like Dodge, BMW, and Volkswagen, and models like the Hellcat, X3, and Jetta, it's now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. We all know that. I'm a car guy, and I'm telling you, why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while a counterman orders the parts on his computer, choosing the only brand his warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com right in your home and in your pocket. One reason to repair and maintain your cars is to save money that you can then use for other important things like the mortgage or food. Why would you choose to spend 30%, 50%, 100% more for the exact same auto parts in a chain store or new car dealership when you could do it at home on your own computer? Now, you may not know this, but chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody, and reliably low they are. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices possible, rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. Does not require this. You could just do it yourself. RockAuto.com is a family business, serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Just go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet sets. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered right to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. But best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write SAVAGE in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. That's S-A-V-A-G-E. They have an amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Don't stand online in an auto parts store and wait for the hostile clerk to get back to you. Go to rockauto.com. All the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto. All the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com.
We find our nation on a precipice, a true tipping point, I believe. And just like all of you for the past few weeks, I've been talking and Zooming with, uh, with friends and the same question keeps popping up over and over. Is this the moment that will finally change our country? where people recognize systemic racism for the problem and the evil that it is. And I know it. from experience that we can't even begin until we acknowledge you hear the this? hurt and the pain, which pain. we all She's a billionaire. As, as and felt as visceral. And just like in your own family, uh, the family that is our country, I don't believe can move forward without calling out that pain. So Oprah Winfrey, the billionaire, screams about systemic racism. I guess she would be a trillionaire in a more fair society. However, I don't know where that society might be. Do you? She parties with billionaires. She travels on yachts with billionaires. She only associates with billionaires and trillionaires. And yet she, she still puts out the big lie of systemic racism, as do people like Kamala Harris, another one who's never suffered a day in her life, making believe that she's an oppressed minority. I've listened to this since the 60s, the same garbage. Since the hippie revolution of the 60s, the same, tr it's the same garbage. The problem now is that an entire generation of so-called journalists, if you want to call it, there's no such thing anymore, put out this lie every day, the same lie, left-wing lie. And what do the polls show? What actually is going on amongst the American people about the police? 80% want to keep and increase police funding. 80% want increased funding. So this whole rioting thing, Oprah, um, has not increased the desire to dismantle police departments and increased the desire amongst most Americans for more law and order. And so these people are, of course, part of the problem, not part of the solution. They are not descendants of Martin Luther King Jr. They're descendants of H. Rap Brown. Oprah is repeating the rhetoric of the Black Panthers of the 1960s. Kamala Harris is not repeating the noble, uplifting words of Martin Luther King Jr. Kamala Harris is nothing but a child. You hear the voice of, of Kamala Harris trying to make believe she's some radical, oppressed uh, African-American. It's, it's, it's actually laughable to listen to her. She's not a descendant of Martin Luther King Jr. She's a descendant of H. Rap Brown. So we, the people, have to sit here and swallow this and listen to this crap. And I say the civil rights movement has been hijacked by revolutionary communists. I see no evidence to the contrary. What do you think? Let's take a caller in Connecticut. Sebastian, you're calling about Oprah's comments. Go ahead, please. You're on the Savage Nation. Yeah, you said Oprah was a handsome woman. Men are handsome. Women are pretty or attractive. Anyway, Oprah used to always say epiphany this and epiphany that. And she was really misusing the term because it had something to do with three kings in the Bible. Maybe a revelation or an awareness or something. But uh, Oprah doesn't speak for every black American, and we're all, I guess, hyphenated Americans, because I'm an Italian-American, I guess. But I'm not a Guido from New York or anything like that, or a soprano. And this other stuff that's going on, it's, uh, it's peaceful protest. It doesn't give you the right to uh, riot and break things. And uh, yeah, wait, Did you say there really are peaceful protests or not? There should be, and I see white people... Uh, who are holding these signs, and I had some guy running the road, uh, nearly caught a car accident, and endangered his life. And I think white people carrying signs are trying to be uh, funny or ironic or laughing behind uh, black people's back by doing that. And the other thing you mentioned was Obama. 
um, Obama had some kind of Arabic name, and a lot of Americans don't vote, and that's how he got to be president, because Americans don't vote. They don't show their themselves um, at the polling places, because I guess everything's all right, and they don't feel the need to vote. But uh, the shooting... Well, I know. Obama, uh, Barack Hussein Obama, his father was um, from Kenya, I believe. I'm not sure. And... Uh, you could say he's history. Why talk about Obama? Because he is the mastermind of a lot of what's the, the civil unrest in America today. He's, he's a very wealthy man, very powerful, more so than he was before he became president, obviously. He's done very well indeed. And yet, why does he want to stir the pot like this? Doesn't he understand that once they start burning the plantation, his house will go up in flames as well? Does he understand that? It's an election year. and, and the other- But it's his job, his job to control the people in a positive, peaceful way. Controller guide. All right. Well, I think we agree uh, on all of that. Has the civil rights movement been hijacked by revolutionary communists? You know my opinion on that, right? You know, it's a funny day today. It's middle of early June. We've all suffered through the riots, the burning, the um, attack on the police. That was after the horrible, horrible murdering of George Floyd in front of the world's eyes. I saw it. I went right on the air right afterwards and called it first degree murder. I don't think I'm, you know, down downgrading my opinion on that one. I'm not. But how does looting Brazier's from a Victoria's Secret somehow? Does that work somehow? See the pictures during the riots? Brazier's handful of Brazier's. That was the uh stealing televisions breaking into sports stores for sneakers uh okay and and that that's a protest no that's criminality and now they're selling this stuff on ebay you hear this you hear about that jim i don't know why the police don't uh, track down the stolen goods and put them in jail for the groups that are uh, selling the, the stolen the stolen goods Oh, I see. You can't do that. The jails are too full already. Well, maybe they are because um, our great governor here, the uh, man who runs the state with an iron fist, Gavin Newsom, it's a one-party state. He runs it like a dictatorship. There's no opposition in California. He wants to close two state prisons. Are you listening to this? He didn't release enough prisoners yet. Now he wants to release them all out of two state prisons. I, I, I said, what? How could Gavin Newsom come up with stuff like this? Gavin is a nice man inside. He has a a beautiful wife, beautiful children. Does he not understand the danger he's putting them in? He surely must understand reality if he became governor. Doesn't uh, Gordon Getty understand the dangers of this, living in Pacific Heights? How does Getty, the Getty people who are behind Gavin Newsom and all of San Francisco politics, in my best estimate, as as an interloper to the Bay Area, I've only been here since 74. I'm not as entrenched as they are. But uh, I've come here and I've looked around. This used to be a beautiful, tolerant city, San Francisco. That's why I, I was drawn here to the, for the beauty. The views could just take your breath away, and they still do. Look what they have done to this city. Look what they've done to this state. Look at the corruption from building a train to nowhere under Jerry Brown. Another prize. What a prize. He is that Jesuit. Wow. You know, you look back in the, a lot of the training, a lot of these people as Jesuit. You know who they were? You don't even know the history of the Jesuits. You know how radical they are? Oh, look up and study at some time. I don't want to do it right now. The violence of the Jesuits in history. You say, oh, Jesuit. You think some religious, holy person. The contrary. 
Look what they did to other Christian sects, the Jesuits. So you see, Jerry Brown Jesuit, I think uh, uh, Gavin Newsom was a Jesuit, I'm not sure. What's this with the Jesuit training? What is this? There's not peace. They don't teach peace. They teach revolutionary communism. Okay, so there's a lot here that has to be developed. I'll probably put it into my forthcoming book, which I have been working on, incidentally. I'm doing far too much for a man who's supposed to be recovering from a very serious medical incident in December. And some days I wake up and I say, I should not do this anymore. I don't know if I should do this anymore because I don't know if I'm going to be able to handle this much longer. The hatred, the lies, the deceit, the outright criminality of the Democrat political class. And on the other side, what do we have? The killing of animals. That one got so many people sick. The Interior Department opened up the wild lands of America, permitting the entrapment and killing of bears, bear cubs, and things like that in their dens, the mother bear and the baby bears. I've gotten emails from people who said they're never voting for Donald Trump again because of this. They're moving to the independent column. I don't know that the Trump people understand that they're losing women in, in the thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, over this abuse of the environment. I try to tell people that. Going back to 2016, I've been preaching the same thing. I guess they agreed with me, but they've done nothing but gotten worse. So on one side, you have the, the social revolutionaries. On the other side, you have the the people who will cash in. They'd sell their mother's uh, birthright for a dime. I never saw anything like the abuse of the environment as I, I, I see here, or the abuse of animals. Never. And where do we, the people, fit into all of this? What are we supposed to do? What if we're not hardcore revolutionary communists on one hand, and we're not hardcore, uh, let us say, Republican types on the other who will do anything to the air's waters and places for a buck? Where do we fit? Where do we fit those of us who want law and order and a civil society? Well, I call myself an independent conservative. That's what I've been calling myself since 1994. Okay, so where do I fit into this new world that I'm living in? I, I don't fit in. I've always been outside the, the, uh, the realm. We got a note, by the way, that President Trump will likely be giving me this interview next week. We're still waiting to get the date and stuff. And I will still vote for the president because I'm not going to go towards, towards anarchy. I will not vote for anarchy. And the Democrats represent total anarchy. You want to keep hearing about systemic racism? You want to keep hearing that whites are no good? You want to keep hearing about white privilege? You want to keep hearing police are evil? Then vote for Joe Biden. How's that for a campaign message for you? Are you people that stupid? That, that senile dunce? So the truth will be told when he picks his running mate. And she will no doubt be an African-American woman who is espousing radicalism, you know, in order to be current with the mode of the, the mood of the time. You know, they're all radicals now. Everyone's a radical espousing the H. Rap Brown rhetoric of the 1960s. The same rubbish laughing all the way back to their mansions and their Mercedes, the three M's. They all have a mansion, Mercedes. I don't know what the third is. M&M's maybe a, a plate of M&M's like Ronald Reagan. I don't know what the third M is. But they all have mansions, Mercedes, and mega bank accounts, and they're all making believe that they're oppressed minorities now, the rich ones. How do they think this ends if they keep this up? Don't they understand that they have a, more of an obligation to the minority community than white people do? You see, it's the Oprahs and the sports figures 
who have a greater obligation to calm the mobs down than anyone else because they have the power of more of a power to influence the so-called youths uh, than white people do. And they're not doing it. Instead, they're stirring them up, fanning the flames, spraying Ronsonol lighter fluid on the on the fire. At least that's one man's opinion. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. So the weather underground has now resurfaced 50 years later. And it's an intergenerational revolutionary communist movement, violent to the core. Uh, One of their siblings or offspring is now the district attorney in the city of San Francisco. I think his mother's still in prison for conspiring to murder a police officer. And uh, they've gone into the system. They run the media. And uh, the riots, of course, were spurred on by the media. They didn't stop. The cameras didn't stop rolling on them. Where does it end, though? How does this end? How do we end this? How do we stop this? We can't just sit here and fetch and complain about it. 80% of all people who are polled want more, 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 more funding for police. Never mind the vermin in the media. Never mind Oprah Winfrey. Never mind Joe Biden. Never mind Kamala Harris. Never mind any of those liars. You, the people, want more police and more police funding. Never forget who you are and the power you have. Never. But we don't burn. We don't loot. What are we going to do with the burners and the looters? They've neutered, they've neutered the police. So anytime a cop now stops someone, he's now the racist if the person is of color. Do you understand what they've done here? How far they have come in taking over this country? If they wrest the power from the police, then who stands between us and them? What happens when our, what happens when our wolfhounds have been taken over and shackled by the wolves? What happens when the wolfhounds, our police, are shackled by the wolves? The Westwood One Podcast Network. Fans of the spoken word, welcome. This is a podcast. Greetings, pod recipients. You are entering the Savage Nation. Read the book. See the movie. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners, Will they be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood? I have a dream. My poor little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream. I have a dream that one day down. In Alabama, with its vicious racism, 
its governor having his lips dripping with the words of interposition and nullification. One day right there in Alabama, little black boys and black girls will be able to join hands with little white boys and white girls as sisters and brothers. I have a dream today. Welcome to the Savage Nation Hour number two today. I heard Martin Luther King Jr. speak in front of the UN many, many years ago. I was a young teacher and I was moved like, uh, well, millions and millions of people were moved. Great, great man, a great speaker. And of course, we now have descended to the point where the politicians, the billionaire African-Americans like Oprah are screaming about systemic racism, the opposite of Martin Luther King Jr.'s teachings. And uh, I am asking you, and I think it's a loaded question because I think you know the answer. The answer is in the in the question. Has the civil rights movement been hijacked by revolutionary communists? Of course it has. Of course it has. This is exactly what the weather on the ground, the Biter-Mannhof gang, which was the violent wing of the same movement in Germany, kidnapping, holding up banks. How far are we away from the Biter-Mannhofs here in America? The kidnappings, the holding up of banks, how far are we away from that? See, I said at the end of the last hour, what happens, what happens when our wolfhounds become shackled by the wolves? Make no mistake about it. This attack upon police over this one homicide by this crazy cop is the left moving in to kill. It's the wolves of the left moving in to shackle all police around the country so they second-guess themselves in every situation nullify their actions and either get whacked trying to enforce the law or turn the other way and don't even try to enforce the law for fear that they'll get killed or be arrested themselves. That's what I mean by what happens when the wolfhounds, our police, are shackled by the wolves, the rioters. It's a very simple, straightforward question. Now, Oprah Winfrey should know better than that. Here she is bellyaching about systemic racism, the new code word of uh, the aggrieved class. There may be systemic racism. In my experience in life, I've seen it. Every race seems to be systemically racist towards other races. That's what I felt. I don't know about you. I I think, yes, there is systemic racism. Every race I've ever encountered has systemic racism towards other races. Ask Chinese people what Chinese think about other people. Ask them. I like Chinese people. I've gotten along with them great in my life. Smart, hardworking. Very successful, very funny. They love words. They love to play with words. I'm talking about Chinese Americans. <laughs> ask them what they think about everyone else. Uh, ask Jewish people what they think about everyone else. Ask uh, you, Every race has systemic racism bred into them. So the, the screaming about systemic racism, she ought to look in the mirror. Now, of course, the, you, know, you look at people like Kamala Harris, who wants to be VP. She, of course, should know better. She should be espousing unity. She should be espousing the Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, of all of us being together. But she isn't. She's trying to chime in, and she sounds like a child. I don't know who is advising that woman. Uh, let's play Kamala Harris in clip six. Let's listen in. The status quo has been to, d- to determine and create policy around the idea that more police equals more safety. Mm-hmm. And that's just wrong. You know what creates greater safety? Funding our public schools so that currently two-thirds of our public school teachers don't have to come out of their own back pocket to pay for school supplies. What creates safety? Investing in the economic opportunities of communities, creating jobs. What creates safe and healthy communities? Sell your stuff somewhere else, Kamala. 
You want to talk about funding our public schools? Would you shut up for two minutes? Uh, Let's go to the shibboleth of funding public schools for a minute. Do you know that minority schools receive more money than non-minority schools in the United States of America? You want me to give you one key example? I'll give you one right here in Marin County, California. I studied this 20 years ago. I was shocked to find out that more money per student is given to the Marin City Schools, a largely African-American school district, in all white Marin County or largely white Marin County than, than the other schools. And unfortunately, it does not result in better grades. So this myth about more funding is, is, is a lie. Of course it's a lie. Everything they say is a lie, a total lie. And as far as this bull crap that Kamala is putting out, that more police doesn't equal more safety, I guess 80% of Americans would disagree with her because according to a new poll, 80% want to keep and increase police funding. But I guess uh, polls don't mean anything to Kamala Harris. She just got to go, you know, when when others go low, she goes lower. Let's put it to you that way. That, that's the new the new ethos. Now, I am a bit of an anarchist when it comes to these things. I'm not really a political. I'm not really politically oriented on one side in many ways. I'm a political anarchist. And I tend to ignore the rituals of the Republicans, the rituals of the so-called conservatives, and I actually practice the teachings instead of talking about them. Now, I'm not going to compare myself to others who talk about them and practice the opposite. Would you like me to give you chapter and verse on people who uh, talk about what great conservatives and great Americans they are and rip everyone off? You want me to talk about them one day? Today is not the day for that. Today is not the day for internecine warfare. Not at all. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of hogwash on both sides of the aisle, to be very clear. Now, jumping to something mystical for one second before we get back to the business of the day of where this communism or systemic uh, radicalism or the revolutionary communism of the weather underground that we're now seeing, the Jane Fonda school of uh, political madness. It's always been the rich people who fomented revolution. Never forget that. Karl Marx came from a wealthy upper middle class house. Lenin upper middle class. Engels upper middle class. All of them came from upper middle class households, and almost all of them were lawyers. Did you know that? Did you know Fidel Castro was a lawyer? You didn't know that. Did you know that he came from a fairly wealthy family in the Bronx? You didn't know that either. (laughs) Well, anyway, things are interesting. History teaches you a lot. I'm going to just go to something in my past for, for no reason whatsoever. I almost read a story I wrote on the air instead of doing this today, a complete piece of art because I have had enough of this, the riots and the looting, the hatred from the from the left, and I need a break. You know, when I need a break, what I do is I turn to to art. I haven't been writing much lately. Uh, I haven't been painting my little silly water, watercolors lately. <clears throat> but I, I found the story that I wrote a couple of years ago. It's so good, but I didn't want to read it on the air. It's not appropriate. But it got me to think about things I've written over my life. When I was a, an undergrad at Queens College in New York, we, we studied philosophy. And I don't mean uh, uh, A-Trap Brown. We studied real philosophers, great philosophers. And uh, one of them was uh, Martin Buber. I remember reading Martin Buber, and I was so moved by him that we had to write an essay on the, on the uh, philosophers that we read. So Martin Buber, you don't know who he is, probably most of you. It's okay. He's not taught anymore because he's too smart. Martin Buber wrote a great essay called I and Thou, and it was very complex for a kid like me to understand it. But I spent hours thinking about, what do you mean I and thou, I and thou? How do you separate I from thou? What is he talking about? And I I deciphered it the best I could. And I wrote an essay for the class, essay, and I got like an A, A plus. Who remembers what? 
And I remember lending after I graduated college, I lent that essay to somebody who told me, I can't say who her name was, a cousin of mine. She said she got an A plus on it. She put her name on it. And then she, she said she passed it on to someone who got an A plus on it. And then it became one of the most passed around essays in Queens College. I don't even know if that exists anywhere. See if you could find it. I, I'd love, Ryan, is it on the internet? I doubt it. On the, on the, my, my uh, family name. But what I'm saying is I understood Martin, Martin Buber very well. And I, I myself am just like him in the sense that I am a religious anarchist. I tend to ignore the rituals of the religion and practice the teachings. See, I don't need the rituals to practice the teachings. And, and the teachings of this Hasidic master was throw yourself into everything you do. And that's your way of worshiping God. In other words, you reach God by being 100% there in anything that you are doing. Be here now, it was taught in the mystics of the East. Be here now is the same version of the same thing. Be in the present, be in the everyday. So I understood it very well. I'm a very passionate person or can be. Not Certainly not every 24-7 am I burning with some incandescence. Don't get me wrong. I would have burned up already. I also know how to lay back, kick back, lift my feet and watch a TV show. TV is so bad right now. There's nothing left on Netflix. How many, how many uh, drug things can I watch? How many times can I watch the same show? Ozark or uh, it, it, over and over again, the same shows. There's nothing new on it. Nothing. TV is so bad right now that I watched Larry David the other night. Curb your enthusiasm. I, I was so desperate for something new. I said, I'll watch that scum, that left wing fanatic. I was laughing. Fifty percent of the jokes are funny. Fifty percent are garbage. His characters in, in Curb Your Enthusiasm are just too old to be funny anymore. He is okay. He's still funny. He's like a goofy guy. He's still a great clown. Very brilliant guy. But you know that guy Jeff already and that wife of his with the dirty mouth, with the, with the filthy mouth. Disgusting. Then they have to throw in the sex change one with the big, sh you know, I don't know if you saw that one. The girl who becomes a boy and then the towel falls off in the locker room and he says, oh my God. And like, yeah, that, and then the whole show about that. It, it's lewd. He, you know, that's what he does. He, he's lewd. That's what it's funny about. But he got my mind off the, the bugginess of our times. You know, I go for comedy if I have to. Even comedians who I find to be politically distasteful, like the left-wing fanatic Larry David, another phony. Smart man made his billions and hates America. Smart man made his billions and spits on America. Smart man made his billions and spits on Christians. Smart man made his billions and spits, spits on his own people. Smart man made his billions and makes believe he's into it cares about global warming. Yeah, because that was the, the you had to do that to stay uh, uh, in Hollywood for a while. That was the cause then. Now it's uh, systemic racism. So they've jumped from uh, global warming. They had their fun with that one with their Priuses. Now they're into systemic racism. That'll be the new the new buzzwords in, in Hollywood. Systemic racism. Marty, do you believe that there is systemic racism? Are you now or have you ever been? Do uh, you have any uh, tendencies towards uh, racism, Marty? Uh, no, no, I believe there's systemic racism. I get on my, I'm going to lay down on the floor right now, Larry, in order to get a job with you. I will lay on the floor, Larry. I will put Kenty cloth on, Larry. I will get on my knee. I'll, I'll get on my knee. Anything you want, Larry, in order to work in this town. That was some stunt the other day in the, in the uh, Congress. I couldn't believe how stupid the pandering and but, you know, if you step back from it and you don't emotionalize Nancy Pelosi getting on her knee with Kent cloth, Charles Schumer, you saw the one of uh, <clears throat> the, the, the ex fat guy from New York. What was his name? Who was it? You sent it to me, Jim. No, 
Nadla, Nadla. What happened with him? He got tied up trying to put something on her. Uh, Nadla got caught trying to take his mask off. He almost choked to death. I mean, look, if you look at it from, if you look 100 years from now and you look back on this, as we look back maybe on Elizabethan England and we laugh at some of the things that we saw was going on in England in, in, in their parliament at the time, the laughability of it. Look, you know, it's a way to, to put a new lens on it so you don't get over these morons. The only problem is if they pull off their revolution and they wind up rounding people up they don't like and killing you, that's a little different. If all the rhetoric of the clowns like Larry David yield the street riots and the murders and the looting that they fomented with their hatred and their lies, in my estimation, yields then the communist revolution they have been seeking forever, that's another story. So I tend to look forward by look, uh, looking backward by looking forward. I'll be right back to hear what you have to say about that. The Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand. It is uh, the Savage Nation. In a few minutes, we have the great writer, Paul Bedard, who will be on the show. No one knows Washington's secrets like Paul. Long DC reporter joined the Washington Examiner in 2012. And he writes a new poll says 80% want to keep increased police funding. No matter what the Kamala Harris's and the Oprah's and the weather underground in the media tell you, most of us want more police and more funding for police. And we are the majority. Never forget that. And, and today's topic is, has the civil rights movement been hijacked by revolutionary communists? And the internal filter in my own head, which replays the show that I'm doing, tells me it's one of my better shows amongst very good shows over the last few weeks. My mind is very sharp right now, sharper than normal. Normally it's, I don't know how to explain how you know how your mind is working. I can feel it. And if you want to catch everything I've said today, which you should, because some of the words are good to remember, it'll be on my podcast later. And the podcast is breaking big numbers. That's all you got to know. Breaking big numbers because there's sense in what I say. And it helps me help myself by trying to articulate for you, the audience, what you yourself are thinking, but don't have the time to think about. I mean, I'm paid to think about these things. You aren't. California Vince, fire away short if you can. Make it short if you can. I uh, appreciate it, uh, Dr. Savage. Privilege and honor. Long time, first time. I'm a proud version American, Bay Area citizen. I've what? witnessed this, what I'm about to say. And I don't know what you're saying. I mean, what, what are you saying? I'm sorry, I can't follow it. I want to know your thoughts on, is this correlated? It's just like the Islamic Revolution. My father was a rich man, worked for the Central Bank, had a home paid for, car paid for. We lived in the Beverly Hills of Tehran. He went to vote. Islamic Republic of Iran, yes or no? He said yes. Be careful what these morons wish for, because it could get worse. What you're saying is, as an Iranian-American, this looks like the Iranian Revolution of Khomeini? Yes. Well, I don't think you're wrong. Thank you. I, I don't think you're wrong at all. And I think any immigrant to this country who's come from either a Muslim terrorist nation or a the theocracy, if you want to put it to you that way, or an autocracy, such as the ex-Soviet Union, they know what's going on. It's the drug-addicted, dumb college children who have been brainwashed who do not even know what useful idiots they are but there sure are a lot of them egging on the burners and the looters aren't there and when the cops fight back now they're claiming tear gas 
is a dangerous thing to use. You hear this? No, no guns, no tear gas, no clubs. Don't even yell at them because the snowflakes will melt. Michael Savage, a host like no other. Okay, so Michael Savage here. I've been asking, has the civil rights movement been hijacked by revolutionary communists? You know my opinion on that. After trillions of dollars, affirmative action. We still have riots, looting, and systemic hatred towards white people. And I ask, what's next? And I played Martin Luther King Jr.'s great speech, which stirred me, certainly. And I do not believe that these revolutionaries and their fakers like the Kamala Harris's and Oprah Winfrey who are screaming about police brutality are following in the, the path of Martin Luther King Jr. to bring us together. I believe they're doing it simply to, I don't know, advance themselves in some way. But what about the poor police themselves? Where do we stand on that? Well, I read a great article about the myth of uh, police racism, systemic police racism, a, a, a complete construct. Great article by Heather McDonald. And now we have a great journalist joining us, Paul Bedard of the Washington Examiner. And he's seen a poll which says that 80% of uh, you want to keep increased police funding. Mr. Bedard, welcome to the Savage Nation. Thank you so much for being with us. Hey, it's great to be with you. Paul, nobody knows Washington's secrets like Paul Bedard. <laughs> and, and, and it's true. And you, you see the madness going on. Who is behind this defund the police movement, in your opinion? Uh, well, I mean, obviously, I think it's the radicals, like you say. It's Antifa. It's a lot of uh, uh, the more liberal Democrats that we have in Congress who want to see broad changes and basically also want to see a lot of police money go to their social programs. Yeah, but that's been tried before. I mean, you know better than I do, knowing all the data, uh, that a lot of these social programs are overfunded as it is. I mean, we know that more money goes for minority school districts than uh, other districts, and the results are not any better. So how is that going to work out if you throw more money at it? Uh, well, it, it doesn't work. However, this is a, a, a key moment in potentially U.S. history that they want to use to seize on it. You know, I took a walk downtown today. I, I had the appointment over in the White House and walked through our new uh, Black Lives Matter plaza right in front of the White House. And people really believe this idea that defunding the, the police department and shifting the money to social programs or mental uh, uh, issue programs is, is the answer. And when you, you, know, you present them with what you just said, they don't really have much of an answer. I mean... You want the police to lock up the bad guys, first and foremost. Well, they wouldn't have the money to do that. You know, I've been studying this this uh, this big lie about the police uh, are bad and all that. So yeah. the data, data doesn't support it. Your study showed that 80% want to keep an increased police funding. But a lot of this rhetoric against the police says, well, we don't need police, for example, to go into domestic disturbance situations. Let me tell you what I know from, from police that I know. The, the most violent possibilities for most police are domestic violence. You know, that's where a lot of cops get killed yeah. are in these domestic. So you go ahead, go send your do-gooder social workers in there and let's see what happens to them. How are they going to control a madman who's beating up his wife? And you say, well, we don't want cops to go in there. We're going to send a social worker and some nice girl from from Bryn Mawr, for example, is going to go in. there. What do you think is going to happen to her? <laughs> That's, I mean, and, and that's an extreme case, but you know exactly what's going to happen. It's just going to continue and someone is going to die in that case. Yeah, but I would think the police would love not to have to go to, uh, to mental, mentally ill people. Let them send in a social worker and see what happens to them. 
Yeah, I'm sure in their dreams. I mean, you talk to any sheriff in the country, and they will tell you that almost 50% of what they're dealing with now are mental, mental issues uh, related to drugs often. Um, but, you know, their beds are filled with cases of people who have, who, have, who have gone crazy, not criminals. And they want that. They want somebody else to do that. But they right. want the reality of where yes. we are. Right. Well, they're not social workers. Right. I mean, look, I've seen the police defined as our wolfhounds protecting us from the wolves. I think that's a very apt description of who police are. When you let the wolves run, run, free, run free, and we the people are like the sheep, basically, you need the sheepdog or you need the, uh, the wolfhound, rather, to protect us from the wolves. You start shackling the wolfhounds, the wolves are going to go even crazier. Right. I mean, you know, I did uh, the, I, this poll that you talked about, I got from the sheriffs. One of the questions besides, you know, whether or not you want funding is what do you want police to do? What do you think their top role is? And, you know, I kind of figured, you know, 50% of this, 40% of that, right? I mean, it would be pretty, pretty spread out. 80% said the role of the police is to incarcerate bad guys, people who commit violent crimes. It shrinks down to 4% when it talks about increasing uh, uh, or incarcerating people with mental illnesses and practically everything else. That's their number one job. And I think a lot of people would like them to get back to that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so most polls show that most people want to keep an increased police funding, and that, of course, includes minorities who live in these communities themselves. They know better than people outside those communities how dangerous they are. Democrats uh, do, believe it or not, more than Republicans. Really? So, so who's pushing this radical agenda to defund or eliminate police departments? Who's actually behind it? Well, I, you know, you look at Congress. It's uh, uh, Congresswoman Omar. It's AOC. It's people who have these radical thoughts that we can all just you know, live on hugs and kisses. But they don't believe that. They don't believe that at all. But I I think Pelosi is being, uh, her chain is being yanked by them for sure. And now she's putting on the same act like she's some radical chick, you know, from from, from the ghetto. Well, what is she, crazy with the Kenty cloth stunt yesterday? She couldn't even get up off. She kneeled for eight minutes and they had to lift her up. Old people should never kneel for eight minutes on Marvel. I mean, that's just a fact. That knocks your knee out for sure. At least they could have gotten her cushion. If they're going to go through, you know, I don't I don't want to make a mockery of it, but even uh, intellectual African-Americans thought it was at the they call it, you know, cultural appropriation. It was a stunt. First of all, the, the, the scarf that they were using, the symbolism of it is that of a slave, isn't it? Yes. I mean, it's from Ghana. And I think God uh, and that's you know, that was that was their traditional cloth. And I think but Congress has always Democrats, especially in Congress, have always used that cloth to kind of show solidarity uh, with African-Americans. Uh, and so I think it was just, it's their uniform. They go into a closet and they put it on, and now they're, now they're, 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 they're uh, uh, simpatico. How, how do they get so many scarves made so quickly? <laughs> <laughs> I, who has the contract, the scarf contract? I, you, the, who, who, had the, who had the protest scarf contract, do you think? It's crazy. It's crazy. I mean. <laughs> what, what if we find out that we're made in China? What would happen then? Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. What if we find out that Pelosi gave the contract to a China-based company to make the protest scarves? I wonder where that would lead us. Paul, in your research uh, and your articles for the, for the Examiner, um, and I mean, I don't want to panic the people. What should the president be doing to quell the anger on both sides? Do you think there's anything he could do? I think a lot of his people would wish that he would be a little bit more... Uh, 
Well, get off Twitter for a while and try to give a couple of speeches. I know they're working on one from the Oval Office or, or I don't know, maybe go to a church or something. And sound as if he's at least understanding and sympathetic with uh, some of the complaints about, about uh, uh, racism uh, and, and po- their, their view of police brutality. They just want you know, him to go out there and give some sort of a, a, a feeling speech. He doesn't do that. And when he does try to do it, it always comes off bad. Uh, you know, he's got, a, he, he's got a good head, I think, on, on where he, what he can get away with and what he can do. Um, mm. They're just looking for something, to, you know, something other than just, you know, bringing folks in, uh, black folks into the uh, White House like he did today. And, you know, everybody's kind of talking that they like him, but it, they, he, he needs to kind of step out a little bit more. Well, I don't think that President Trump, as uh, he is, is able to give a Martin Luther King Jr. speech. Do you? You think he can? No, think he cannot. I, I mean, first of all, I don't think he has the staff to write such a speech. That's to begin with. Well, and, true. Uh, and you think his staff could write such a unifying great speech? I don't believe so. Very few people could. You know, they've done pretty good with some of the State of the Union addresses. And yeah, yeah, that's right. It was stirring. Yeah, All right, so, so if we agree that there are people who do write great speeches from where, where is that speech in this time of, of, of national need? I haven't heard one, that's for sure. And, and like you say, I'm not exactly sure he can, he can give it. And I don't know if he has it in his heart that he wants mm. to give that speech. I think he really, uh, you know, he comes down, he, he's, he's a law and order guy. And he's seen uh, what's happened to the country with a lot of riots and looting. And, you know, while he sympathizes, I think, with uh, the, the uh, 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 problems of racism, uh, he also believes that the police are being uh, hung out to dry in this case. And then he wants governors to crack down. That's- right. Well, you know, but I did see his tweet, one of his tweets this morning, where President Trump said, never kneel. Was that helpful? <laughs> But somebody asked me today, a, a mechanic said to me, why do you think President Trump is, is, is that way? I said, well, he grew up in Queens, as I did. He was the rich kid. I was the poor kid. He was on the other side of Union Turnpike. And I said, if someone gets in his face, he's going to get in their face even more, right. which, is, which is just the way he's made. He doesn't let people run, run him over. And that includes the mobs. That includes the Democrat mobs. That includes the, the phonies like Nancy Pelosi. How could one of the richest people on earth pretend that she really gives a, da- a, a damn about any of this? How can they really think anyone buys that act with the, with the scoff and getting on the knee? They can't. They can't. No. After some of the stuff. Well, oh, how about Oprah Winfrey talking about systemic racism? <laughs> so, so like I tweeted today, Paul, I said uh, system, she claims there's systemic racism and she's a billionaire. I said, I guess it means she would have been a trillionaire in a more just society. I mean, what else can you say to these people? They're just mouthing the words. Right. And, and, you know, I think that's what some people want the president to do. But you're exactly right. You know, he is who he is. He knows who he is. He also believes that his supporters and a lot of the silent majority out there believe what he stands for and want more uh, 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 law and order uh, versus uh, touchy-feely. Well, what, okay, here's the big question, Paul. You, you do a lot of great research, and I'm not just, you know, making this up. Who was behind these, these organizations? These, these riots were not spontaneous. They, they were organized too quickly, all these marches. Who's behind them? 
No, Michael, I wish I knew that. I mean, I do believe Antifa has quite, and, and associated groups have, have quite a social uh, media presence. You know, e- even in the little towns around Washington, they were able to gin up uh, protests within a day or so. And there are a lot of, there are a lot of professional protesters. Uh, you have more, you know, I mean, I, there are more, a lot, uh, more on the West Coast, but in Washington we have New York, New Jersey, of, of course. And there's a lot of people doing nothing who kind of look at this as something kind of fun to do. Right, right, right. In other words, they're not in school, they're out of work, and this is suddenly a, like a bee-in. Just look at instead of, Instead of a love bee-in, like bee-in again back in the 60s, or, or, or Woodstock, it's sort of like a Woodstock with, uh, with, with uh, riots and Woodstock with looting. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a little bit of feeling there. I mean, I you know I'm, I I cross the Potomac River every day, and I you know during some of the protests, I see these kids coming in on bicycles and their cute outfits and their signs that say, you know, whatever in in support. And I'm thinking, what what what, what who are you people? And what? Ch- well, yeah, they tried it up in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. They ran into some guys with uh, assault rifles and uh, camouflage suits. They kind of sat down on the curb and shut up. It's very interesting when they tried it in a, in, a, in a really tough area. Exactly. <laughs> well, I don't know where this leads, Paul. I pray to God it doesn't lead to uh, the Iranian Revolution, as uh, a caller asked me in the last hour, someone whose family fled the, the revolution, you know, forced by the Islamists. Do you think this could actually metastasize into that overthrow of this government? No. I heard that today when I was down on, uh, on the plaza. I heard that from people who uh, uh, support what's going on uh, uh, in the protest, but... You know, I don't. I mean, we've been through these many, many times. I mean, just think about gun control as an example, you know, where we had uh, uh, the shootings in in Connecticut. And, you know, people kind of backed off. And I don't see that, you know, people want change. Well, nobody's saying what change they want. You know, okay, maybe they want police to wear body cameras or, you know, to stop the neck holes and things like that. But, I mean, I don't really see or hear what their proposals are. And if they can't use this uh, uh, period to uh, explain that a little bit better, then I think it's just going to fade. Well, I hope you're right, honestly. You know, I I, I fear we may be in for a long, hot summer. Yeah, Paul, Bed- Paul Bedard, I love your work, especially when you write about me. Uh, and I do. <laughs> you're the only reporter. You're the only journalist in America who even knows I exist, other than Jeremy Peters of the New York Times, who's on the left side. Uh, Paul Bedard, great work, Washington Examiner. I hope you'll come back to join us on this program in the near future. Home of Borders, Language, Culture, The Savage Nation. Welcome back to the Savage Nation, 30 Days to More Powerful uh, Social Conscience. Just listen for 30 days in a row and tell me that you don't feel that you know things better than you do now. And uh, we have billionaires like Oprah screaming about systemic racism. I mean, crazy stuff. The lie about systemic police racism, another big lie. And I've asked, has the civil rights movement been hijacked by revolutionary communists? Of course it has. And after the trillions of dollars that have been spent on affirmative action, we still have riots, looting, and systemic hatred towards white people. Who are you going to blame for that one? Who are you going to blame for that one? I played Martin Luther King Jr.'s great speech, which stirred me as a young man. And uh, I was moved by it. And I actually believed in it. But I think it was wishful thinking. And I believe that King's speech has been hijacked by the revolutionary left. They don't even try to bring people together. All they want is hatred and resentment. That's their whole political message. And we used to have a Democrat party that understood that that still was on the side of the minority and had their votes anyway, but they didn't stir up the hatred. 
uh, that Pelosi, Schumer, and company are doing now. They have become anarchists themselves. The Schumers and the Pelosi's are out of touch, as old people uh, often are. And they're trying to be way cool, you know, like uh, AOC, occasional cortex, I call her, because uh, I don't think she's functioning on all cylinders. I think she's got 50% of her neurons operating in, in her best of days. I think with fish oil... Even matzo brai, if she ate matzo brai and fish oil, I think she'd still be at 52% of her, uh, her capacity. That's the most she could ever get up. So how does a girl like Occasional Cortex, there's nobody who won by 5,000 vote margin, how does she who grew up in a wealthy, affluent home in Westchester pretend that she's a minority Hispanic? How does she get away with it? The same way Pelosi gets away with that she's wearing kente cloth and can't get up with, uh, the, with the knee, gets on the knee and can't get up. All I want you to remember is one thing. Think about what happens when the wolfhounds, our police, are shackled by the wolves, the rioters, and the communists. Once the wolfhounds can no longer protect we the sheep, the wolves will eat you alive. The Westwood One Podcast Network. 